Hello and welcome to another episode of Interview with a Schizophrenic. I'm your host, Duncan Samuel Singer, and today I have the great pleasure of having Jasper back for part two of his history of how he became schizoaffective and how it's affecting his life. Um, we did the episode 37 for the part one in, on the 16th of July, um, and Jasper talked about how he had a traumatic childhood, how he was dealing with his parents and and their reaction to mental health, um, his, his being transgender in in the kind of um, conservative state, conservative state of Kentucky, um, he was talking about uh, his emotional um, experiences during as an early adult, um, and then finally we we touched on um, how his cat um, died of cancer, um, and and that was during COVID, and the tra- and that was. I guess the the final traumatic traumatic event um, is in a, seri- in a series of events of trauma. Um, I guess those were the, the triggers um, for Jasper. Yeah. Um, so Jasper, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yesterday, okay, August fourth was my sister's birthday, and yesterday we went we went out to eat, so I took the day off work, and yeah, I'm pretty good today. <laughs> That's cool. So what, what we want to hear, we want to hear the rest of the story, Jasper. So we want to hear, hear about what happens next. Um, well, I've been thinking about it, and there was one thing that I think I forgot to mention the first time around. Uh, there was one other event that kind of foreshadowed that this would happen was um, when I when I was told by this guy that was in my life that we weren't friends, I was like so deeply confused and upset that I actually went outside into the side yard and I called the suicide hotline because I remembered the time that I had a crush on this other guy and I was really scared that I was, you know, losing my mind because he was like gaslighting me. And I talked to my friends, we had mutual friends and I asked them, what was going on? And they said, I don't know. You guys seemed like you were friends. And so that (laughs) made me feel better. But I, the lady on the suicide hotline told me to go take a walk, even though it was nighttime. She said, if you feel safe, try and go take a walk. And so I did. And I didn't tell my mom where I was going. And so I just started wandering around. And uh, so that, that was what happened when I much later had this psychotic breakdown. I just, at my cat's funeral, I just remembered that advice and I just got up and I walked outside and I wandered around the neighborhood. Yeah, I think it's a way to, um, I think when you're walking, you get a time to reflect and um, it can clear, clear the head a little. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think the actual act of walking calms a person down because if you have that emotional energy in you, then you're, the kind of exercising and it, and it will calm you down um, because when you're walking, it's not like running or it's not intensive. It, it's a calm exercise. Um, yeah. I've always felt really comfortable around my neighborhood um, where I grew up in that house, probably my favorite place in the world. It's so nice to me at least. Um I've heard of a couple of crimes that happened in that area at bars because there's a lot of bars, but nothing's ever happened to me. But anyway, uh, (laughs) so after I walked around, I went, I finally, my girlfriend who I was dating at the time, my phone was on like 5% battery and she was texting asking if I was okay and to come back. And I said, okay, in a minute. And I just, like, you know, after a minute I walked back and man, what, what happened after that? It's just a complete blur. I can't remember what happened in what order. I can only tell you snapshots. Yeah. Um, well, I remember going around my house after everybody had left. I remember going around my house and collecting 
things that were important to me in my life and like taking photos of them and tweeting them out. And I felt like I kind of had this delusion that I was figuring out some kind of puzzle. And uh, after, I, I don't know, my speech and like thinking just quickly devolved from there. And I, I was only able to speak in like poetic metaphors after that. Like when I, when I was really little, I was really into poetry and I used a lot of metaphors. And when I was having that psychotic episode, I just started, I kind of fell back on poetry again and people didn't know what I was trying to say, but it made perfect sense to me, mm. which was really frustrating and kind of scary. Um, you got a question? No, I was just going to say that um, it's not unusual for someone to speak and they know what they're talking about, but the other person's like, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. But I mean, but yeah, I can understand you you wanted to communicate your emotions Uh um, and you were doing it in in the way that was comfortable for you. Uh Um, yeah. Yeah. The thing about poetry is it taps into your emotions in a more, uh, visceral way i suppose that's why i fell back on it yeah um let's see other things that i remember uh i remember it being at night and i was laying on the bathroom floor and i i don't know i had some kind of delusion that people were like i I don't know how to describe it but i thought other people were somehow hearing me and I just kind of babbled things that I always wanted to say to people that I knew about, but didn't know me. And you're talking about telepathy. Yeah. 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 That was one of the delusions. Like I thought that there was, I, I thought that there was a special class of creative person who kind of became enlightened and started like telep telepathically communicating with each other. They and ne- I, th- I never told anyone. Because I had that same delusion. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that everybody, you get to a certain age and people become telepathic, but nobody talks about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't mean to. I don't mean to be just insensitive by uh, kind of laughing, but no, that's no, no. I, how I, I, I deal I, with I it. I found it funny too, as well. Looking back. Um, yeah. Um, I thought that they were all like trying to communicate with me and like trying to trying to make, trying to, I don't know, help me become one of them. And I thought I was trying to unlock telepathic powers or something. But another thing I remember is uh, my mom was freaked out. And the the works of, uh, what's his name? Alan Watts, I always found really comforting. So I was playing Alan Watts and like listening to him to feel better and like settle down. And I was in my bed and uh, I got onto the one about uh, mental illness. And what he said was something along the lines of mental illness is really scary to people because it kind of shows a part of people that you don't normally see. It kind of throws people off and confuses them. The metaphor that he used was like, if you met a really pretty woman and you went to shake her hand, but it turned out to be an eagle's claw, that would be really freaky, wouldn't it? (laughs) So I just laughed and laughed and my mom was freaked out and she said, you have to get off your phone. Now she was blaming my phone and the internet. And I begged her not to take my phone away because listening to him made me feel better, but she did anyway. So I turned, I, well, I don't know. I got it back after a minute. And then after that, I turned on uh, my old Kentucky home. And like, I was under some kind of delusion that all of the world's tension and disagreement and argument was all concentrating here in Kentucky because it was like 
right between the North and the South in the Civil War. And so everybody's like polarized political opinions would be concentrated here. And there was some kind of cruel, like massive conspiracy experiment to figure out like the truth of the world. And it just, they were trying to find the one person who could distill all of this shit that was going on. And that ended up being me. And I thought that, I thought that they, the entire world was making me into like their mother figure. And I had to like, I had to like, it, what's the word kind of resolve the issues. Maybe. Like, like I had to lecture them. And so everything was really quiet that night. And I kind of looked out into the neighborhood and I just started screaming as loud as I could. I just started yelling and screaming and from my living room, trying to like chastise everyone for acting like jackasses. And (laughs) yeah. Uh, Yeah. So the political polarization of my country is another thing that really like stressed me out and pissed me off. And, uh, that was like at the crack of dawn and my mom got walked into the room and she was like, what the hell are you doing? And looking back, I'm like, man, if I had a child that just started screaming at the top of their lungs, I would think that I would have a more extreme reaction than being like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. You know, um, have you seen the breakfast club? Yeah. So I think at the at the beginning, maybe, you see the school kids writing, help me, on their notepads. Yeah. And it's kind of like a cry for, it's kind of like, there's something we don't understand, but we know we're trapped in this conditioned body as a, as a, as a youth, but we want to break out from inside, you know, so it comes out on the page, they just write, help me. Um when there's no there's no discernible reason. So so for example, you screaming and all this, you know, this angst and this development of a psychosis is it's kind of like something inside you, maybe your spirit or your soul wanting to be free, you know, just I wanna be me, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. That that was another thing that made me angry is that I don't know the the whole making trans people's existence a debate that you can just use as a hypothetical to one up your opposition. It's just petty and childish and stupid. Um, I also thought that maybe people, maybe people elected Donald Trump as some kind of a, I thought like maybe right-wing people were uh, trying to, like really far right people were trying to laugh at this absurdity in situations and everybody else was trying to take things seriously. And I was like yelling at them to take things seriously. Cause I'm not laughing and it's not funny. And yeah. <laughs> um, I've always been, I think there's, there's always going to be parts of the population who need government to act in a serious way. And then there's going to be other parts, and they're usually quite well off, maybe quite older, who don't really care anymore. Um, yeah, that doesn't affect them, so they can be quite un this you know, um, what's the word unresponsible um, about about it, um, and and just take it as it as some sort of entertainment rather than an actual um, you know a ser- serious serious government to solve issues that the people have. Um, so yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so all throughout that night, I was just popping off on Twitter. Cause I thought that like, that was, that was the one social media left that I had been using regularly. And I don't know, I thought that people were paying attention to me. Uh, just kind of a nebulous people and they, I don't know. And all night long, I was just kind of tweeting stuff that again was mostly metaphorical and poetry and just kind of confusing. And, uh, 
so after the, like that morning and I'd been screaming, my mom was like, if you don't straighten up, we're going to take you to the hospital. And I would just get really calm and be like, good, take me if you think that I should go. And whenever she saw me calm, she would be like, well, I guess we don't need to take you if you're going to calm down. And then I'd start getting riled up again. And it just kind of happened over and over a few times because I don't, there's just really stupid, ignorant, using it as a threat when I knew that like medical professionals were there to help me. So like whenever she suggested it, I would be like, fine, let's go. And that just kind of confused her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, frustrating. So, um, when we went to go, I took my Nintendo switch Lite with me and it was, uh, it was, Easter on that day and so I wanted to open up Animal Crossing which is my favorite game and I saw that there was going to be an update and I thought that they were trying to communicate with me but really it was just an update for the Easter event yeah. so so yeah, the, these um, is it called delusions of reference where you, I'm, where you believe because I, I've had this as well, where you believe external forces are, are communicating with you. Um, I, I actually still have it, still have it today, but not as bad as I had it when I was younger. Um, so yeah. You think the television's talking about you? Yeah. Even a computer game. Um, oh, that reminds me. Another thing that I did was like... Uh, at night I was also on my computer and I was like, well, one thing I did was I went through Patreon and I was like, okay, so I wouldn't have met this abusive man who's been treating me like garbage this entire time and like contributed to this breakdown. If I, if I had never heard of Ed's world and I was like, oh, that I should have just been a patron of them from the very start. And so I went over there and I... <laughs> I went to like their highest tier, which was thousands of dollars or something. And I was, and I clicked, I thought that I was like solving some kind of puzzle by like clicking the thousand dollar tier. And it was like, are you sure that you want to do this? And I just, I all, I also thought that there were people on my computer who were key logging my strokes, which is when like someone is contacting your computer and they're taking a, they're taking records of everything that you type in so that they can get your password. So I thought people were key logging me and I was just typing stuff that I wanted to say to people in the password areas. And uh, I didn't have a thousand dollars in my bank account, so the payments never went through. So that's good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so my mom drives me to, well, my brother, who's like, I, I don't remember if I mentioned, oh yeah, he was like 40s. He was driving and my mom was in the passenger seat and I was just rambling and laughing. And uh, so she takes me into the uh, emergency room and I am just babbling and laughing on and on. And I said, I don't have to wear a mask, right? I'm vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. And they're like, okay, well, I, fine. You don't have to then. And so the strange thing is they took me straight. They took me straight into the, uh, the office, I guess. And, uh, apparently my mom had told them that I was, on drugs, even though I told her over and over again that I wasn't. And even though she knew that schizophrenia runs in the family, she just kind of refused to believe me. Yeah. And so um, I was just laying there and they turned the TV on and I thought that the TV was sending me some kind of subliminal messages and I was talking to the TV and my mom was just crying and she was in that room sitting and I was just crying and she, they gave me like a little toilet to pee in so they could test my pee. And, uh, I did. 
and I was getting really, I don't know, kind of impatient with them not leaving the, not taking the little toilet away. And I said, what, you want me to crap in this? I, I already gave it, uh, but I didn't poop in it, thankfully. <laughs> um, yeah, so they were testing for drugs. Yeah. Where, where you were, whilst you were um, exhibiting classic uh, psychotic symptoms. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so as I was laying down on that bed and watching the TV and like talking to it, and my mom was sitting against the wall just crying, uh, <laughs> oh, please. I, I don't know. I just think about that sometimes and I'm like, oh, oh brother, get over yourself. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they put up a sign on the window, and I think that everybody's messing with me. And so I kind of close my eyes, and I walk up to the window with my hands stretched out because, I don't know, for some reason I want it to surprise me or something. And I look at it, and it says, spine not clear, do not get up. And I was really confused. But in hindsight, they were about to give me a spinal tap. Yeah. Which I know is extremely painful. And uh, later on, a bunch of nurses come in. And uh, I'm laying on the bed. And they want to put a catheter in me. And they said, have you ever had a pelvic exam before? Then it's like this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've had that before. It's no problem. And uh, so, so, um. Did they tell you why they wanted a spinal tap? No, they didn't tell me why. Not at all. Can I tell you something, uh, Jasper? Yeah. Um, the first time I was admitted to hospital, they performed a spinal tap on me, and they also fitted me with a catheter. Mm. Um, but carry, carry on. They, they told me why. Mm. Yeah, it's really strange then that they didn't tell me why. Well, they, they, they said to my parents that we thought Duncan had meningitis. Uh. Because the meningitis, you get an infected spinal fluid, which mm. is like do a spinal tap. And seemingly meningitis must, a symptom must be kind of um, delirium. And that's the only thing I can presume. Um, so maybe that's what they suspected with you as well. Yeah, but my roommate now told me that they don't give you a spinal tap to test for drugs until it's, like, deep into your system. So I guess that's what they thought. Um, but when they tried to put the catheter in me, it hurt like hell, and I just screamed my head off until they stopped. Bloody pain. That's the most painful thing I've had, catheter. Yeah, so I'm glad that they stopped, finally, but... I found that it caused blood on the sheet, so I'm like, oh, look at what you did now. <laughs> uh, I, um, see, I'm a huge fan of the video game Psychonauts, and so I thought that I was having some kind of psychonautic trip, and like, I was really waiting and excited for Psychonauts 2 to come out. So for some reason, when I was in that, uh, when I was in that, um, I don't know, doctor's office or room or whatever, I thought that that uh, Double Fine, the people who made the game, were like messing with me, and they were about to cart in a cart full of my favorite candy and like ask me to be in the <laughs> in the double fine studios because i was a artist and i'm like a 3d artist and i absolutely love making video game models and things and i don't know my my hopes and dreams kind of intermingled with this psychotic state where i was just desperate to disconnect and be in somewhere be in a better reality which i think is part of why psychosis happens as you become well, some people suggest that it's part of a survival instinct in some people that you just want to disconnect and be, be in a more acceptable reality. Uh, so I don't think that they gave me a spinal tap because I kind of had blanks in my memory, but I remember that they asked me to go into a bathroom 
and uh, I was just walking in circles, just babbling. And I was really, I don't know, I became kind of angry that people were messing with me or something. And uh, I opened the bathroom door and this policeman uh, is facing me. He puts me in handcuffs and uh, takes me out to the police cruiser and I'm falling asleep. It's we, I think he, at some point he put me into some other guy's car and I don't know, like I said, I have some blanks and we're driving out into the middle of nowhere out into the country. And I associate that with going to church because when I was growing up, we went to uh, a church in Rockfield in the middle of nowhere. And they're really conservative and honestly pretty hateful i've seen i've heard them use uh racial slurs and things like that and i was like no 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 don't take me to church i don't want to go to i hate that place and uh yeah so it it turns out where we were going was uh was it was um let me can't remember what it was called it's a historical building all the way in uh russellville or something which is like the middle of kentucky probably there's western kentucky which is really urban and then there's eastern kentucky which is as what you might picture when you think of kentucky which is a lot of woods and trailer parks and bare feet and that kind of thing. So we were heading out that direction, I guess, because it was in the middle of nowhere. And that place used to be called, it, it was open in the 1800s. And that was when those places were really overcrowded and inhumane. Uh, so just to clarify, this is a, a mental health uh, unit, right? Yeah, but it's uh, state run. Um, and honestly, it's probably really underfunded because I would find that there was only a few nurses working there and they did not swap out very much for night shift. And so they would have nurses working in the night that were already there in the day and they were falling asleep at their desks and it was just terrible. Um... So I get there, and the the brick building looks a lot like Western Kentucky University. They even have the uh, the same trees outside, and that's where I went to university at the time. So I was confused. Um, they asked me, "Where do you think you are?" And I said, "Western." Uh, oh yeah, the place was called Western State, and then there's. Western Kentucky University, so they're both called Western, which just makes it even more confusing. Uh, <laughs> um, so they take me in, the cops take me in, they, oh wait, <laughs> man, I forgot, like, like I said, my memory is really bad, like it's hard for me to remember what happened when, but I forgot to mention that. So the cop takes me from the from the hospital. They actually take me to the police station and then the mental health facility. But at the police station, uh, at the police station, uh, I, I just remember I kind of open my eyes and I'm in this tiny office with just a window and big bricks painted white and they there's this cop that's just standing in the doorway and I was like trying to ask him what was going on but I just apparently I was just speaking nonsense because I didn't get any answers um I mean they must have presumed that you might have been a danger to yourself yeah that's why probably you had handcuffs and the police were involved just in case um you did anything yeah but it's the un it's the unpredictability about it. I yeah, it's probably it's probably their reasoning mm -hmm. or, or what they were thinking. But my handcuffs were on my, the front of my body rather than mm -hmm. the back, so it was more comfortable than it on the back. Um, 
And after a little while of me just waiting, uh, a woman comes on a computer monitor and she talks and she says, okay, um, is it okay if I just turn off my monitor and you just see my name here and you can tell me what's going on? And, uh, well, at that point, I, uh, at that point, I was under some kind of delusion that, like, a bunch of people, like, celebrities and, like, mid-celebrities and just creatives that I admired were all, like, listening in on me or something, and they were just, they were just waiting for the the perfect time to reveal themselves and then we'd have like a surprise party and then I'd be whisked away to my dream life or something. So I thought that I thought that if I just kind of vented exactly what I was feeling and maybe they would all show up on the screen in some kind of Skype call or like group Skype call. But I mean obviously that never happened, but I ranted for like a while, maybe 15 minutes straight. And, uh, the cops were, I don't know, I was just talking about, I don't know, all the troubles of this world and this kind of miscommunication between people over political, but also gender lines and that sort of thing. And I was just sick of everyone talking past each other. And I, cause another thing was I was always made into a conversational medium uh, between two people, like, especially in my relationship that I was in at the time, uh, she and her mom had a really toxic relationship and they would always come to me for their problems for whatever reason. And then at that church that I mentioned, uh, the preacher's wife was a really good woman, but she was just kind of brainwashed with really terrible views and she would always say, man, I wish I got to go to school like you all, like me and my siblings, because you're so smart. And she would always ask us questions that are really hard to answer because it's really like complex. And sometimes I felt like even to begin to get her to understand it would cause her to question a lot of things that I didn't feel like would be healthy or appropriate for her to question because she just had really awful views that just became the foundation of her life up until that point and she was already like in her 60s and i don't know it, it, it's a lot but anyway i i would just made into a conversational medium in a lot of places in my life by that point so i thought that i thought that that was kind of my purpose in life and i was i just kind of had to talk people straight and like the cops by the end of my ranting and raving, they just felt, they just seemed to feel really downcast and like, man, that sucks. <laughs> so, so apparently I spoke to them or something, but, uh, my roommate says, oh, they were just pretending because <laughs> cops are supposed to pretend to be that way. So they get you to keep talking. But like my therapist kind of disagreed with that. And I, I don't know, he, he just really hates cops, which is, you know, understandable. I, I think there's still people. I, I won't get into my views on that. It's really controversial. But uh, um, in fact, uh, it you would not believe. I I swear this happened because the cops were were reacting to it as well. So I know it happened. I know that I saw a roach in that moment come out of the wall and crawl out into the hallway. And the, the cop is just kind of, one of the cops is just kind of crestfallen and he just says, get out of here. And he kicks the roach away. And I say, oh, you can, don't worry about it. You can squish that if you want. <laughs> that was just crazy. But, uh. What do you think that was a hallucination? Uh, looking back on it, I was like, wow, that was such a weird coincidence. Like, what if it was a hallucination? But, I mean, yeah, I really don't think it was. Um hallucinations weren't something that I really experienced much, especially visual ones. Um, I did experience visual hallucinations a little bit, but I'll have to get into that in a minute. How long do we have again? Like an hour? Um, I don't usually go to an hour, but you know, I'm quite keen for us to, 
to complete your story today. Yeah, okay. Um, I can't believe it's been this long already. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's probably. Uh, so I get there and I notice that I am like on a second or third floor and I'm looking out and I notice that there are a lot of black people working there. And the reason that that's noteworthy to me is that, uh, it kind of made sense for me that, uh, minority that experienced a lot of you know crap would want to work in healthcare you know i guess that i guess that makes sense to me and they were all talking in like things that i couldn't understand and i was really confused like is this like an auditory hallucination i cannot understand what they're trying to say it it, it might have been like some kind of some kind of I don't know, inside language, or maybe it was some kind of Ebonics, I don't know. So, and I know that, I know that I wasn't like hallucinating gibberish because the lead doctor comes up to me and he's speaking plain English and I'm like, okay, so I'm not like, I don't know, not hearing them correctly. They really are kind of speaking in a way that I can't understand. Um... So my last name is Valerie and like, I was still, um, my, what they would call a dead name, which is like your previous name from your previous, like identified gender. And so he was talking to me and he kept saying, Miss Valerie, Miss Valerie. And I got really mad and I was just like all over the place. I, I, I felt like my body was on fire. I don't know what happened. I ever, to this day, I don't know what they did to me, but I felt like my whole body was on fire and I just wanted to figure out how to get it to go away. And I was just doing everything I could to get it to go away. And he made me sit down and like sign something. And he asked me, do you know where you are? And like a bunch of questions like that. And I got really impatient because like I wanted the burning sensation to go away. And, uh, I was like, so I see this guy just sitting on a bench dejected and I think that like, I need to, man, I I think that I need to like comfort the most dejected person in the entire world and it might go away. And I ask him, do you want a hug? And he's like, no. And he just kind of backs away from me. And I... The doctor points me to this room that has nothing in it. It's all white, all white. And there's a little mat on the floor on the side of the room and a window that's shining down the sunlight. And he says, you have to lay down there. And well, I, I, I don't like some of my trauma is sexually related because I've been like really objectified through my life, both being like a conventionally attractive female before that. But then also people think that being trans is like a fetish and they kind of objectify you for that. Okay. Yeah. And so I, how to explain this that I thought that he wanted, Oh, he's supposed to like have sex with me and then maybe it'll go away. And so I just kind of lay down and I'm like, I lay down on my belly and I'm like, no, no, don't do it in the butt. We're all done getting, you know, fucked in the butt by society. So I just turn over and I'm just waiting for something to happen. And I just kind of hallucinate. Like I kind of get a feeling of someone laying their hands on me, but I know that they're not, I I don't know. It's weird. And then I, the next thing I know, I'm just blacked out and I don't remember what happened after that for a while. And, uh, yeah. So I kind of come to when I'm on a mental health floor with a bunch of other people and I I just have flashes of memories. And one thing that I remember is the nurses like walking me along the, along the hallway and uh, I'm looking out and I'm really freaked out and uh, I see people lined up for something 
but they kind of look like shadow people and i think that they're i think that they're somehow corpses like dead people that are being stood up by something and i was just terrified i didn't want to go near them so i was trying to pull away from the nurses and like that that was freaky um and then someone tries to talk to me and one of the patient, other patients tries to talk to me and they had taken my glasses away. So I'm really nearsighted. I can only see like maybe a foot in front of my face. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I get up really close so I can, my, her face comes into focus and I say, hello. And the nurses pull me back and they're like, no, 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 we're not getting in people's faces. And I just got kind of irritated because I was like, how else am I supposed to see them? <laughs> uh, another thing I remember is they put me in a dark room with a mat on the floor. And there's this strange like triangle structure between the floor and the wall. And I kind of, at first I hallucinate it as a copy of Psychonauts 2 on the floor. And so I, <laughs> I try to grab for it and I realize that it's just part of the wall. And then I laugh. And I say, that that was a nice prank, guys. And, you know, no one's hearing me. There's just, it's all complete darkness except for a long window on the door. And people are looking in at me. And I, my sense of time was like really disorganized. I could barely go in a straight line or anything like, I could barely count. And so I just put my hands down on the top, the hard tile floor And I start counting the tiles and like slapping my hands on the tiles, trying to get my brain to work normally and like linearly. And, uh, I, the, the people looking in, I, this is the part where like the hallucination, the like visual hallucinations start coming in because the people looking in their faces kind of morph Mm -hmm. into people that I know. And uh, maybe this woman looked kind of like her already, but there was this kind of just a terrible man. He he was my guitar instructor and he was in like bluegrass and stuff. Of course it was bluegrass. It's Kentucky. You kind of can't avoid it. I really don't like bluegrass, but anyway. Um, I thought that was his sister and I was thinking, what is she doing here? Uh, so anyway, their face, their faces kind of change around. And- um, that's the, this state that you've been talking about for like, for this episode, it's a very strange state. I, I think it's a, it's like that, um, maybe a transition from normal perception into deep psychosis. And then there's like that transition stage where it's, like what you've been describing is really strange and 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 I haven't really you don't really hear much about it um, because I, I understand it because I've gone through a similar stage as well when when that happened to me um and maybe it's linked to the fact that at that point in our lives we do not have we have minimal insight um and also it's it's the first time of that extreme psychosis where it's never like that um it's never like that usually again um did they did they give you medication or anything when when you arrived yeah eventually oh man so uh, for one thing uh i was really surprised especially in hindsight that that room was so hard it had hard tile and hard walls and just had a little mat on the floor and i was like man, this isn't like the padded room at all. Like I could have broken my bones in there, but I didn't, thankfully. Um, But anyway, so they take me up to the, they had apparently taken me up to the, uh, just the regular patient's area. And I just remember suddenly coming to, and I was closed into my room and I was laying on a kind of firm bed and there's this window with bars in it. And I'm looking across the street and there's this house with the bright light and my eyelids are so heavy. Staying awake was the hardest thing I ever did. 
because I was like, I'm, I've come to, and I want to hold on to this consciousness because I feel like I've been in a waking sleep and I want to, you know, get back to myself. So I'm staring at this light and I stay that way all night long. It was torture. And when the sun, sun is coming up, it starts to wear off and I can get up. Uh, so apparently they had uh, injected me with something that was making me fall asleep and I just kind of fought through it. Wow. Yeah, because and, when I got admitted the first time, they gave me some, I don't know what they gave me, but it, it put me out. It did put yeah. Me out. So this is something that I've thought about talking about like ever since the last time. This is the, like the craziest and like, weirdest part, but I just started walking in circles trying to bring my mind and body back to like the present. Like walking in circles was something that I did quite a bit at that point because I was trying to like, I don't know, uh, spiral or like circle down into the present and like the, the present setting and moment. And I, I've always been really scared of audio animatronics. And so I was really scared to open my door because I thought that like, nightmare foxy from five nights at freddy's was outside my door and i was like no that can't be true but like what if it is and so i'm like really scared to open the door and my great-grandfather was in world war ii and so he told me about morse code when i was little and so i was tapping out morse code with the with the door handle I was tapping, I only knew hi and SOS, so I was doing that over and over, and they weren't responding, and so I started, like, stomping out Morse code. I was really, like, kind of desperate for someone to help me and tell me what's going on, but they just, eventually, they just burst into my room, and they pinned me down on the bed, and they gave me another injection. And I didn't even hurt anybody. I was just being too loud, I guess. <laughs> I think, um... I think these days they're quite heavy-handed. Um, even there's a history of heavy-handedness in in, in um, uh, mental health staff to psychotic patients. There's a history, you know, it's a long history. But um, they they operate like that out of they don't. They, I think it scares the hell out of them, and they don't know what's going. They don't know how to deal with it, so they just need to. Um, um, secure you i suppose by any means necessary yeah i mean i can understand that but i wasn't i mean i wasn't even coming out of my room i was just being loud uh so i felt like that was a little bit of an overreaction regardless <laughs> uh so i was just really agitated and oh man they were like oh she must be on her period and so they they took a they took a pad and they put it, they put it in my underwear as I'm wearing it. And I got so mad. I took out the pad and I, I walked out of my room and I slapped it onto my name plate outside of the room. And just cause to show them in like a really aggressive way that I'm not on my period. <laughs> uh, so apparently like they had put me on, some some old class antipsychotics that put me in tardive dyskinesia, but they also gave me uh, hyperthyroid medication, even though I didn't have hyperthyroidism and that showed up in my blood work, but they gave it to me anyway because I had been on testosterone for a good number of months and I had some like male features. They just kind of assumed that I had hyperthyroidism. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh... No, I was gonna say um, I wasn't gonna say anything actually. To, you can carry on if you want. Okay. Well, so like my vision is really blurry because they didn't. They took my glasses. I couldn't see anything, mm -hmm. and that just further made me disoriented and really hard to come back to myself. And the next thing I remember, I'm like sitting at a table and we're all eating our meals and. I had been there for a few days at that point, but I can't even remember eating, but I must have eaten because I wasn't hungry. I wasn't starving. Yeah. So that's really strange. And this woman sits close enough to me that I can finally see somebody's face. 
and just just being able to see someone's face just brought me back. Calms you down. Yeah, yeah it gives me something to focus on. Yeah, I mean, I've had a history of um, um, the I've got short I'm short sighted as well. So I I I've, when I was going through psychosis like this when I was younger. I would take off my glasses during a psychotic episode. I would think the plastic in the lens was somehow poisonous or the aliens were bouncing lights of my glasses so they could see out of my eyes. So I, I, I often I would be psychotic without wearing my glasses as well. And, and yeah, and I'm, I've got pretty bad vision. Um, yeah. I'm, different, different to yours, but. There, there, there is some kind of I do recall, yeah, having issues with the glasses and and all that business. Yeah, well, I I just came to some kind of delusion that all of my health problems were caused by like trauma and stress in my life, and I am allergic to most things. Like I had an allergy test done once, and I asked for a list of my allergies because I kept forgetting it, and the doctor said to me. It would be easier to tell you what you're not allergic to, so don't worry about it. <laughs> so I thought that <laughs> I thought that maybe I had developed allergies because of stress, even though that I had even though I'd had allergies my entire life because I was born prematurely, that's probably why. So I thought that my eyes were going out of focus so that I could so that it would uh, what's the word? Kind of destimulate me. But I mean, in the moment, I felt really disoriented from it. But uh... so anyway, this woman sits next to me. And she starts talking to me, and I'm talking to her in like more metaphors. And she's like, "Oh yeah," and she's just kind of caring and like paying attention to me. And I, I just kind of compared myself to a calico cat, and. I was like, because everybody thinks I'm beautiful and they want me. And it's just, it's like my calico cat back home. Like I had, there was a stray cat that was calico that would come over to our house. I kind of considered him my cat. But anyway, I thought that she she was really like shy and always run, ran away from people. And I was like, I'm like her because everybody wants me and I am just done with people and I'm always running away. And she's like, well, I don't know if that's true. And I... I I can't remember how I had put it, but apparently I had mentioned that I was transgender in that little rant. And this nurse comes up to me and she was like, us, what are your pronouns? And I said, oh, he, him. And she was like, oh. And so after I was done eating, she brings me out to the, uh, to the balcony, which is uh, gated in. And I'm walking in circles and I've got tardive dyskinesia. So I've got this shuffling gait and I can barely move. And my, uh, what they say tardive dyskinesia usually gives you is like your, your head goes down and your tongue is sticking out. But what happened to me was my head was, was stuck all the way back. Like I was looking up at the sky and my tongue was bunched up in the back of my throat and I could barely breathe. It was horrible. And so I was walking in circles on the on the balcony and I was running my hand along the bricks because I thought that I might come back to myself if I started like stimulating my senses. So I was trying to stimulate my sense of touch. And eventually she brings out two men and they talk to me and I'm talking to them in a bunch of metaphors that they don't understand. And one of the, one of them starts like tearing up and crying, and I don't know why. I still don't know why. But after that, she's like, "Oh, we're taking you you to the acute ward now." And uh, so after that, I was in a, which is I was in the acute ward, which is co-ed. That's probably why they put me there. You know, there is. Um, it reminds me when you when you talk about um, this deep psy psychosis. Um, there is an aspect of problem solving. Um, like as if there's things you need to do um, to resolve these issues you have. Do you, do you yeah. know? I think there is a, it's like, it's kind of reactive. And there, I, I do relate to that problem solving aspect, um, which, which you talk about. Um, you know, that's quite interesting. I don't, this is the first time of all the interviews I've done 
that someone has really talked in a detailed way of these of this initial serious psychosis of when it, of when everything kind of kicks off because I and, and like you say you say your mem is black is um kind of patchy um, mm-hmm. but you've 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 done a great job of of recall to be honest with you you've done a great job of recall um because it is it is because not only is it difficult to remember but I think it's quite painful too um mm. so yeah so you've done a good job so Jas- Jasper we'll have to close soon um and what I'm thinking we, we you, you can come back for another episode so if you want to if you want to kind of wrap things up that would be great uh I think this is a good place to stop because I mean after that I actually went to a different mental hospital that was a lot better and uh this is like near the end of my time with them uh so uh, the, because that second place I was was a lot better, I kind of have less to talk about with them. So cool. that that sounds like a good idea. So what it is, um, this was the part two. So like I said, you're welcome to come back. Maybe we'll give it a little bit of time. Um, you're welcome to come back to talk more about when when was this hospital incident? What year? That was April of 2021. Okay, so that's like. Uh, about one and a half years ago, so you know we 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 can we can have another episode if you want if it's up to you, and we can discuss what happened in the interim. Um, that's absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, I think we'll wrap it up here. And also, to, I, I'm going to play some music. Um, so, what kind of music would you like me to add on this episode? Hmm. Uh, did you have any copyright issues with the last one? No, because what I've got a. Uh, I've got a subscription to uh, a royalty-free site, which I can, which I can. It's got a wide range of music, so that's why I ask, so I can find the music which, which, um, which the person would 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 like to have on. You know, I, I kind of sort of narrow it down and, and and figure out what what fits to the episode. You can just find another like pop or alt pop piece if you'd like. Oh, cool. So Jasper, it's great having you on. Um, you know, like I said, I really, I really enjoyed this one because you really, it did also make me recall my, my, my similar kind of uh, introduction um, to, to psychosis. Um, I think it was a really great episode. You know, you really did go describe how it felt and what you were going through. Uh, so you know, that's you know, um, that was really well done. Well, uh, I'm glad. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, it's a pleasure to talk with you, and you're, you know, you're welcome back for a third part. Totally up to you. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, Jasper. Thank you.